Hello and welcome to episode number 90 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm your host, Richard McKinnon, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how is it going? It's going well, and uh, I'm sorry sorry I left you on your own for the last episode, but I think you did very well. I don't, just staring at a microphone for 20 minutes by myself, (laughs) it's quite a different task to having a chat with you. Yes, but it, I think it was great. I was listening to it and really felt like uh, like you were talking to me, so a listener, and I loved some of the reflections and some of the stuff that you were talking about. So I hope listeners enjoyed it too, which I'm sure they did. Hopefully. And it just goes to show that even when you take a holiday, you take me with you. <laughs> Oh, the magic of podcasting. (laughs) There's no escape. So, so Pilar, um, bit of a change. I'm going to ask you, what are we talking about today? Well, listeners are going to be, well, we'll see what listeners think of this, actually. But we are going to do things a little bit differently to what we've been doing for the last 90 episodes, which I think cannot go unhighlighted. And uh, I'm going to be asking you questions, uh, Richard, around coaching. So, listeners, we're going to start a new series looking into coaching in more detail. And of course, Richard uh, is a coach. (laughs) There's a specialism. So what better person to guide us through that? And we're going to look at how to get the most from your coaching experience, how to avoid some of the more uh, common coaching mistakes. And we're also going to be looking at a whole load of varied topics that can go under coaching. So we'd love to hear your questions, if you have any, and your comments, if you have any, as we go through the series. So do please get in touch. And for that, Richard, I'm going to have to defer to you. How can listeners get in touch? Uh, I would love if they did. They can send us a brief message on Twitter at mypocketpsych, or they can send us a nice long message via the contact form on our website. And you can find that at worklifepsych.com slash contact. Excellent. So shall we go ahead or is there anything else that you want to tell listeners before I take the reins of the episode? <laughs> the power. Uh, all, I suppose all I would say is that maybe if you're a long-time listener, you're wondering, what, why are they talking about this again? So we have discussed coaching in the past, but we're going to look at it from a slightly different perspective and go into some of, some of the detail a little bit more. And, and what I'm really excited about is that we're going to look at a few of the really common topics that are addressed in coaching. So I can't wait to get my teeth into those. But first of all, let's look at some of the basics. Yeah, coaching. How would you define it, Richard? So I used to, when doing coaching skills training with groups, frequently with managers, um, share lots and lots of different definitions to illustrate, oh, there's different ways you can look at coaching. But actually, more and more in conversation, I, I like to keep it nice and simple. So what I prefer to do is describe coaching as a process where a coach and a coachee work together to help the coachee move from being stuck to unstuck when it comes to a certain skill or topic or context. And we work together to explore their thinking, their emotions, their behavior, look for patterns in those, and equip them with the skills that they need in context to make decisions and take action that's going to be beneficial for them. So moving from patterns that represent stuck to new ways of thinking, feeling, and doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go into... Well, I don't know, maybe we do want to go into it, but um, how is it different to advice? Because I think that uh, coaching sometimes, some 
people talk about a coach and they then expect the coach to be giving them advice, maybe about their job even. How much does the coach do that? So I think from my perspective, from many coaches' perspectives, we would want to do that at a minimum, if at all, because the the coach is, is trying to help the coachee see things from a new perspective. So one of the best ways you can do that is by asking questions and exploring their assumptions, exploring their worldview, uh, exploring what's important to them. And you don't do that by telling people things. Now, you could always answer a coachee's question, you know, if it's going to be a helpful thing to do to clarify something for them. But really, it's not like an advice-seeking service um, where you you know, sit there and take notes while the coach tells you what to do. That, that to me, doesn't represent effective coaching. Mm-hmm. And I will go into the next question in a second, but this is a, my curiosity. So in that way, how much does the coach reveal about their own experience during the coaching engagement, as it were? That's a really, really good question. And I am actually running a coaching skills program for some organizational leaders at the moment. And and actually, it's a topic that came up in in our last discussion all about use of self. Um, How much do I talk about my own experience if it chimes with the coaches or use myself as an example? It's something to be careful about because people can... um, express an interest in you as a person, as the coach, and want to know a little bit about you. And, you know, I I will answer any questions about me if it helps them feel more comfortable and feel um, that there's credibility on my part. But you need to be more careful when a coach, he says, well, what would you do in this situation? Or what have you done when you've had to deal with something like this? I don't want to establish myself as the bar for them to reach. But at the same time, there's another context where you might just try to normalize an experience that is part of being human, where you might talk about, well, yeah, I I feel nervous when I present in front of an audience, or um, I've had doubts about my capability and imposter syndrome and things like that. Um, But it is a, um, uh, a path we need to tread on very carefully so that we don't inadvertently set ourselves up as the goal for them to reach. Uh, Does that make sense? Yes, it does, which leads me to another question that's not here, sorry, but I think it's important to clarify. So right now and during this series that we're talking about, when we're talking about coaching, are we going to be looking at it from the point of view of the professional coach? So someone like you who comes in to an organization or someone internal whose job it is to coach with a capital C, or are we spreading it to, for example, a team leader coaching a team member? I'd like to think that um, everyone who's listening could take something from this series because equally, if you're a professional who has thought about working with a coach on a specific topic, this might answer lots and lots of your questions. If you've never experienced coaching before, um, I'd like to think I could generate some debate with coaches out there who might have a different perspective on some of these things. And anything that can be covered off in a conversation in the workplace, I think is going to be of interest to managers who coach or team leaders who coach. Um, and I think it's important that we signpost that stuff as, as we go through. Who are we talking to? I, I think the point about use of self is really important for coaches, mm. but also for coaches. You know, you're not going to sit there and have your coach tell you, this is how I furthered my career, because that's a lot more like mentoring. Yeah. Uh, so that's important to manage those expectations. 
Okay, great. Right. So we've got, so this is how long it takes also. Well, of course, we've, we've rushed through it. What, what is, how, how are we defining uh, coaching right now? So if that's what we're thinking of coaching, does that mean that it is for everyone at any time? No. Uh, that's the simple answer. And maybe I'll elaborate. <laughs> yes, please. Um, I think I, there's something I'm quite passionate about, which is um, using coaching to good effect in the right context. And, I, and I've seen and I know, you know the, the, the scientific evidence is there, is that coaching can be extremely impactful. However, uh, coaching is not one thing. That, that's the other thing to bear in mind. Um, when asked, does coaching work? I would always answer with, does medicine work? Do drugs work? We need to be much more specific. And so coaching can be very helpful when we've got the, the ingredients in the recipe there uh, right. So if we've got um, a suitably experienced coach working with a motivated coachee or an open-minded coachee in a context where their coaching relationship can, can spark real change on the part of the coachee, then coaching can be good. But if it's a situation where it's much more appropriate for that individual to go on some training or to work with a mentor or indeed for, for the um, coaching to be shelved completely and for some performance management processes to be put in place, coaching is not going to help with lots and lots and lots of different contexts. So it's a good question. We need to be really mindful about what we're trying to do before bringing a coach in or indeed before a listener gets in touch with someone to say, I'd like to work with you as my coach. What is it you're trying to do? There's many, many different things that can fit into the personal and professional development space. Coaching is just one of them. I think that's really important to know well, I, or to know that there are options and that one might be better suited than another. Because you mentioned training, you mentioned mentoring, of course, there's coaching. What other th what are the other alternatives? Just to start to just to widen the the net Absolutely. so that we know where it fits in. So, someone wants to work on themselves. They want to um, uh, make some changes or or engage in some kind of self improvement. Um, one of the things that uh, I think is both healthy but also challenging is that discussions about mental health are more and more open. I mean, that's overwhelmingly a good thing. But an experience I've been through over the last three four years is uh, people read members of the public getting in touch to say, um, I'd like support with topic X. And, and it's very much not my, uh, in my ballpark. They're looking for someone who is more, you know, going to be a, um, a counseling psychologist or a clinical psychologist because it's very firmly in the space of mental health. And so um, I raise this just because it's a legitimate question to ask. And the last thing someone wants to hear is, I can't help you. No. Nope. Mm what they will benefit from is someone saying, hey, listen, let me help you find someone who can really support you with that because you don't need to know this, but it's not what I do. You know, I can't expect the, the general population to understand all the intricacies of the uh, psychology profession. Um, but what we can do is be really clear on what we're equipped and qualified and competent to do and what's outside of that space and then know how we're going to deal with those people who come to us with uh, life topics, areas, challenges, whatever, that sit outside of that space. Great. Okay, so say that, say that I've thought about, uh, I've identified an area of development and I have looked at the different options and I've decided with someone probably, okay, 
um, coaching is great and they found a coach <laughs> or someone to coach them. What do we do before our first session as coaches? So it's very much going to depend on what you want to work on. So without getting into lots and lots of um, specifics, as a general point, have a think about what you want to achieve. You know, you don't have to get into the, um, by this date, I want to be doing X, but generally you're going to invest time. You're almost certainly going to be investing money. You're going to be investing effort and focus. So why not try and get the best out of it by getting clear, as clear as you can at the beginning as to where you want to get to and maybe explore a little bit about why that is. What's your motivation for making these changes? You know, what have you tried before? that you feel didn't work, or if you haven't tried anything before, why, why is that? Because I, I know we will um, talk about the importance of communication and openness in, in coaching, but there's very little value to be had with having a um, very positive front to, to your coach that's not authentic and it's not truthful. So it's really important that you have a good think about where do I want to get to and why is that important to me? in my life's context right now. Uh, you know, we're not going to go into your childhood. We're not going to go all the way back. But I'd love to know about what you've been working on recently, what your career has looked like, and why now for coaching. So rather than feeling that you're under pressure in the room or on the call, do that thinking in advance. And if there are examples, behavioral examples, that you can bring to the table that really kind of illuminate your perspective, all the better. And it may seem like a, a silly thing to say, but don't be afraid to make some notes because um, you might find it you're under a bit of pressure. It's not an interview for a job, but some people do get themselves a little bit in a tizzy in, in the first conversation. So make some notes in advance. Make a list of the questions you want to ask your coach. Maybe, um, you know, ideally you've been through a, a chemistry conversation to see if the two of you can work together. And if you have, there may be things you forgot to ask. So, you know, a good coach is never going to say no more questions, uh, but they will only be able to answer the questions you ask. So make a list of those um, and, and think about the, um, the, the things you want to know about, about the individual you're working with and maybe even the things that you think, this might be a silly question, but I mean, I've never had a silly question if I put it to you that way, I've been doing this for quite some time now. No one has ever asked me what I would call a silly question. It's a question from their perspective. Therefore, it's legit. And it might be, how many hours a week do I need to spend working on this? Uh, is it okay if I take notes while you're talking? Um, what do I do if I have a question in between our conversations? So just anything you can imagine, get those questions down on paper. Um, and that means that if you think about value, we can extract the maximum value from our time together uh, if, you've, if you've been able to do a bit of that thinking up front. Mm. I think the, the point about the notes, especially, uh, I think it's, it's so important also to, to think that not only might you get nervous at that first session, because well, especially if you don't really know your coach very well, and like you said, it can feel quite exposing, but also you might have had a terrible day <laughs> or whatever, you know, you might be feeling ill uh, and uh, to, to have done some prep and also just to get your brain in gear. Um, and if you're someone like me who needs to think about something for three days before really bringing up the <laughs> insights, and I never thought of asking that question, do you mind if I take notes? I don't know whether because maybe I wouldn't take no a note-taking device or whether I wouldn't, or I would assume that it would be okay, but 
that's a really, I love that question. Uh, it, a, it could be <laughs> anything, you know, and it just shows you that sometimes it's the very sort of pedestrian or, yes. or um, simple things. Yeah, very practical things, uh, administrative, logistical things. And, and if that's not addressed, you know, it can be a little bit like a pebble in the shoe for the coachee and they're wondering about it. And meanwhile, they're not paying attention and they're missing things. And, you know, so let's get all of that stuff out of the way at the beginning. And then to come back to the notes as well and the questions about, you know, preparing and having some notes for yourself. Many topics that come up for me um, as part of coaching, they, they can be challenging for the coach to talk about. You know, I was relaying an example earlier today about someone, you know, got to, so let's say the mid fifties um, age wise, and they sort of realized, I hate what I do and I want to make some changes, but I'm really, really upset that I've let it go this long. And I can't believe I just allowed my career to sort of meander and I've moved very far away from what I was like as a person when I was younger. And so to say those words out loud to someone who you don't know and to sort of ask for help can be very demanding. It can be very upsetting. And so with all of those emotions flying around the place, even if they're positive ones like relief and gratitude, um, it's very, very useful to be able to go back to your notes and say, oh yeah, there was something else important I wanted to ask you. So that's that's the pre-work, even before the first uh, session. Now, Richard, I imagine that we're going to cover what happens in the sessions over the next few episodes with, I think we've got different themes mm -hmm. planned. Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's skip over that. <laughs> so we've had our first session and, and maybe we've had a second and a third. Without asking what you would be doing, what would I as the coachee do between the sessions to make sure that I'm making the most out of it and even to take a little bit of responsibility for myself to advance my progress throughout? That's a really good word, responsibility, because um, I would argue that so much of the work in coaching is done between the sessions and it's done by the coachee because you get a little bit of insight or a light bulb moment while we have a conversation, but you'll undertake to do something with that insight. So you'll turn that insight into some form of action. Now, we don't know what, what we're working on right now, and, and I don't know how much progress we've made, but my general uh, thoughts on this would be, I'll come back to what I said earlier, you're making all of this investment, so why not treat it like a project? Make sure you set aside time for it. Um, have have something you're working towards so we'll have some kind of a goal but if you've time in your schedule it's going to happen if you have a vague aspiration to do some thinking about your career let's be honest that's not going to happen everyone's far too busy for that to sort of naturally occur so schedule it put it in the diary take action take a list of things you're going to do you know really invest your time and attention in this so that the next time we speak you can tell me how it went what you think and feel about it uh, how well you think it went was it a flaming dumpster fire you know what but you've done something and it's about it's about um experimentation it's not about a silver bullet uh, there are no silver bullets there's no simple answers but it might be about experimenting with speaking up in a meeting it might be experimenting with something simple like tracking your time for a couple of weeks to see what what I, what do i do at work it might be about practicing some delegation skills but you're you're doing things and noticing the difference it makes and reflecting on that so when we have another conversation you're doing more of the talking, you're relaying more of your experience, and we're moving forward. And uh, of course, the reflection as part of that is what difference does it make to me when I do these things? I'm not doing them because 
Richard said, I'm doing them because this is important to me and I'm uh, dipping my toe into some unknown waters here. But uh, unless I do, it'll always be um, a someday maybe exercise. I'll never get around to it. So th there's an element here of acknowledging work is required. Um, and there's an element of um, acknowledging that that's not a given that it's going to work perfectly every time. So experimentation is a really important word. And of course, come back with your questions. You know, there's always going to be some more questions uh, after trying new things. I I really like the well for once just taking that responsibility for for driving because you end up driving it. Uh, I I often think that coaching is viewed as oh I turn up and the coach will do everything. <laughs> of course, you might lead the session, but actually the coach is driving the process. And an image that came to mind, and I might just bring the tone down of the show, but it really felt like, the, the for me, the, what would happen would be the coach would have that ongoing presence as, as in a way, my accountability partner or someone that would just makes me, um, helps me, sorry, someone that just helps me to drive something forward. Um, if you are collaborative by nature like I am, it just it, the things that I have to do with or for someone else always take priority. So I think it's really nice just to to have you also as that person that that just helps to 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 start and continue and sustain that little project that is you. I think that's a really nice way of putting it. And you know, it, it's actually my job to bring the tone down of the podcast, but um, I don't think you did there <laughs> did I uh, at all. No, account. I mean, accountability is a really important word. You've heard us mention it on on the podcast before. You know, the, the power of accountability is that I'm doing this, but I've made a commitment to someone else, and we're going to look at it together, and we're going to talk about it. And actually, that that does make a difference. And that's maybe the difference between. Uh, watching a YouTube video or reading a book about the topic that you're interested in developing versus working with another human being. Um, you know, if, if you have the resources to work with a coach, then that's, that's what's going to make the difference. The interpersonal interaction, the relationship, the accountability that's, you know, it, 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 there can be uh, no coaching without accountability because you undertake to do things. Um, and, and it could be a, a really small thing, but it's big for you. It's a change uh, in your behavior or it's a new perspective uh, you're adopting. And um, the point is that you're not doing it to impress your coach. You're not doing it to please your coach because we'll spot that and we'll talk about that. But more you're doing it for you and then you have the opportunity to talk about it with someone who's interested in you but isn't going to then say, now let's talk about me for 30 minutes. And that often happens when we're doing that with our peers or we're doing it with our friends. So you've got someone, um, you've got their total attention and, and that's a precious thing. Yeah, great point. Just have that time to focus on you with someone else. How amazing is that? So for this to work, and you've already well uh, talked, you, you mentioned it, for this to work, I imagine that there has to be quite a lot of openness and honesty from the coachee. Uh, is that right? And how about the coach? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's very important. So if we compare this to, say, the relationship you might have with... Um, a peer in the organization, but not a particularly close peer, 
what you might be motivated by is being correct in front of that peer so that you leave them with a good impression of your skills or your knowledge and that you might work with them in a way that shows you in a good light and you want, might want to demonstrate your competence and you might want to um, reflect your team's reputation positively and all those kinds of things. That, that, that could be legit, you know, depending on the context. But working with your, your coach, your coach is not there to be impressed. He or she, I mean, I'm not going to say I don't care. I, I really do care about the, the success of my coaches, but I don't care for them to tell me uh, to leave things out if that's not you know the whole picture. So it's really important that you're honest that I did this and it sucked or I didn't do it. Um, I didn't do it because I was scared to fail or I didn't do it because I forgot or you know, just to be really open. And of course, to say, I don't understand what you're saying, or I don't think that's what I said, or I don't think that applies to my life, you know, to give feedback to your coach as well. And absolutely for the coach to be able to say what they notice. You know, I notice you, you're not answering that question. I notice you've been late for the last three sessions significantly. I, I notice you're not following through on, on what you said you would do. This is not a social relationship where harmony is its core. This is a, a dynamic development-based relationship where um, harmony is far less important than uh, a, a good foundation of honesty and openness and, and a, a level of rapport where, and trust where people can uh, talk openly. So if you ever have that sort of mm, itch at the back of your mind, like I need to show them I'm good, and this is the coachy or the coach, uh, you're distracting yourself. You're taking yourself away from the, the core purpose here. And I think a lot of people are used to, a lot of coaches are used to a relationship, whether it's workplace or, or not workplace, where they feel there's a pass-fail element to it. I'm good at this or I'm not good at it. And if something's gone wrong, I need to keep that to myself. Whereas in the coaching relationship, what's gone right, what's gone wrong, what was good, what was bad, it's all on the table. Your coach uh, ideally needs to know what you think about these things, what you've done about these things, and how you feel about it, and not agree just to agree. I can see how not worrying about how you're coming across also, or, or how successful um, or, or how much of a success you're coming across as can be very liberating. Um, good for me. At the same time, being open and honest is uh, always not the most comfortable of experiences. Mm. So is that something that we might expect a little bit of when well, we've talked about discomfort so many times in this uh, podcast? It, completely. Um, psychological discomfort can take many forms. It, it's something I talk about very early on in the coaching process, just to signpost that change can be strange, doing new things when you're really good at your job and suddenly you're trying new things and you don't feel competent at those when maybe you are a high flyer in another you know, another aspect of your life. It can be very weird and it can be something that people want to avoid at all costs. But actually, growth is on the other side of being a bit rubbish at new things for a little while and being okay with that. Uh, you don't have to like it, but you you need to understand that it's part of, of the package. So if you want to do new things, that, that could be a little bit uncomfortable. If you want to be open with someone about your concerns, fears, aspirations, that could be a little bit uncomfortable. But we need to make that distinction between a little bit of discomfort versus the way we sometimes treat it, which is to be avoided at all costs because it's painful and terrible. Um, 
vulnerability, I think, is what we're talking about to a large extent. And that, that comes back to the openness and honesty. But saying, I don't know, saying I'm stuck, saying I'm scared of that, that's all being open. And that's also quite uncomfortable for lots of people. And do you find that you talk about this explicitly with some of the people you coach about the fact that uh, that 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 some of these conversations will bring up the feeling of discomfort, etc. Is that part sometimes of your conversation with them? Very much so, especially early doors. I really want them to understand the difference between the discomfort their mind gives them about, oh no, stay away from that, you know, don't take those risks, versus real danger and threat to life and limb. So they can discriminate and they can say, well, that's a that's a thought that's full of worry, but actually I don't need to do anything with it. You know, there's a lot of noise going on here, but that that's not dangerous. My mind's giving me this stuff, maybe to keep me safe, but... I don't need to act on it. And that's a big step for a lot of people to be able to defuse, to step back from that kind of, uh, that, that, those thoughts that your mind gives you and to actually persist through uncomfortable things as long as they know why they're doing it. So it's something that prevents us from doing things that are in our best interest a lot of the time. And that's, I'll come back to patterns. I mentioned it, patterns of behavior. A lot of those patterns that people want to break, at the root of them, it's about minimizing or avoiding some kind of discomfort. And they're finding some kind of solace or some kind of relief in a behavior that in the short term is fine, but it doesn't work over the medium to longer term. It's not helping them get them to where they want to be, whether it's procrastination, whether it's friction with other people, whether it's uh, not putting their hand up and trying to advance themselves in the organization. Lots of these things have the avoidance of some kind of discomfort at the root. So if we can start talking about it early and get them to identify examples of their own discomfort just from their lived experience, then we're both on the same page and we have got some ex good examples in the book. You know, we can we can refer back to those. Um, and, and I'll just finish with this point on discomfort. It, it, it's also probably one of the more important elements of the um, acceptance and commitment theory that that underpins uh, this work that I do is that you know primarily we're not looking to reduce discomfort. Primarily, we're looking to give people the skills so they can take the action that's helpful to them. And maybe over time, the discomfort will pass, but we're not there to make you feel brave so you can do brave things. We're there to help you know where you want to get to and do the things and look back and then go, oh wow, that was brave but not waiting to be brave first. Nice. Well, I think, and I'm sure listeners will agree with me, that we've covered a load of stuff about well, how to get the most out of your coaching experience, what to expect, and, and how to take to take responsibility for it to 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 be successful in partnership with the with the coach so richard uh is there anything else that you would like to say to listeners i'm going to add that i take with me uh change can be strange i <laughs> 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 don't think i'd heard that like that before i think it's so lovely and also and this is where where i was referring to that i was going to bring the the tone down of the show which i didn't in the end because i forgot was this image of the psychology the coach in my pocket so my pocket psych uh, so <laughs> Anything else that you want to um, share with listeners before we wrap up? Just a final uh, plea, uh, request. Uh, get in touch. Let us know what you think. 
come at us with your questions, your feedback. Maybe you're a coach. Maybe you've worked with a coach. Maybe you're thinking about introducing coaching into your organization, because we will talk about that later in the series. But I'd love to shape it around what you're interested in. So get in touch with your questions on Twitter at MyPocketPsych or on the contact form at worklifepsych.com slash contact. Great. We do. We'd love to hear from you, listeners. So uh, next episode, we'll look at some of the common pitfalls that people can experience during coaching. So we hope you'll join us then again. And meanwhile, Richard, how can listeners find out more about coaching at Worklife Psych? Uh, very easy to remember. <laughs> uh, just check out what we have online at worklifepsych.com slash coaching. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com slash contact. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.